Welcome to the Postpartum Plan Podcast. I'm your host, Madison Fugere. I'm a certified postpartum doula and pediatric sleep consultant, the owner of Serene Moments, LLC, and a prior nanny and daycare manager. In this podcast, I'm going to talk about everything and anything that comes along with the postpartum period. I want to be your postpartum bestie by offering support, reassurance, and tips and tricks. Many people curate the perfect birth plan, but why not a postpartum plan? Together, we're going to build your postpartum plan because everyone deserves to have the postpartum experience that they want. Jane Havens is a certified sleep consultant and runs her own sleep consulting practice, Snooze Fest by Jane Havens. As a new parent overwhelmed by exhaustion, Jane found herself reading everything she could find in order to get her own son to sleep through the night. She applied what she learned both on both of her children, implementing good sleep habits from early on. Friends quickly took notice of the fact that Jane's children were both fabulous sleepers, and they began coming to her for advice with their own kids' sleep challenges. Jane has quickly established herself as a leader in the industry, building a strong reputation for taking good care of her clients and always providing top-notch service along with her expertise. She describes her approach as a very client-led, meaning she works with families using different methods that make them feel comfortable. There is not a one-size-fits-all approach to teaching a child to fall asleep and back to sleep independently. In addition to supporting families through the sleep consulting process, Jane has also founded Center for Pediatric Sleep Management. Through CPSM, Jane trains, mentors, and certifies others to do this incredibly rewarding work. All of my not even trying to edit is going into that, but (laughs) all of the amazing things. I'm so excited to have you here today, Jane. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be chatting with you as well. Yay. Um, Jane and I were just talking about how I don't even really uh, edit all of these at all. And then, of course, I slip up on my words. So it makes total sense, right? (laughs) Totally okay. I do the same thing. It is a thing. Um, But I'm super excited to have you here, not only because we get to talk about sleep training and the stigma of it all, but also just because, I mean, you're the one that runs CPSM and that's where I was trained and certified through. And so um, I'm excited to have like your expertise since you've been in the sleep training world for a little while and um, share some some information and bust some myths here for the listeners. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, so I thought we could start the conversation off. Um, I know that at one point, I can't remember where I was listening to, whether it was one of your podcast episodes or it was like a post on social media or something, but it was the idea that we had kind of like society has created this badge of honor, if you will, for sleepless parents and almost glorifying this idea that parents have to be sleepless in order to be parents. Um, And whether you're pregnant and a stranger comes up to you in the store and says, oh, we'll sleep now because you won't for the next 18 years. Or, you know, a family member is telling you about how their kid finally slept through the night after two and a half, three years. Um, People are so eager to tell new parents and parents as a whole that, after you have kids, you're not going to have sleep. Um, And so I truly believe that like, that's one of the huge reasons why parents don't reach out for help with sleep training and when they're struggling with sleep because they think it's totally normal. So I'd love to get your input. Like, did you find this to be true when you were a new mom? Um, And do you also see clients coming to you with like almost a fear to ask because of this? Yeah. So I'll answer the question from the perspective as a mom first. And then as a sleep consultant, if I think back to when my son was born almost 11 years ago at this point, 
Uh, sleep was something that gave me a lot of anxiety as a new mom. I am somebody that requires a lot of sleep myself. I sleep eight plus hours a night. And the idea of having a newborn that was going to disrupt my sleep was something that was really scary to me. And it it brought on a lot of nerves and anxiety. And I had somebody help me for the first couple of weeks. Um, I had a C-section. I needed help around the house. My husband, we were first-time parents. Like we didn't know what we were doing. And we did arm ourselves with some help for the first couple of weeks, which was really, really helpful. But it's never enough, right? No matter how much support you have, you could always benefit from more. And I do remember actually feeling judged for signing on for this type of help. I felt judged by other friends. I felt judged by other parents. And it was just something that I knew that I needed to do for myself, for my own mental well-being, for my own physical well-being, and also for like the best interests of my brand new baby. I wanted him to be cared for by somebody that was going to be well-rested and alert. And I knew that that wasn't entirely going to be me in the, in the first couple of weeks. So yeah, I think that there's a lot of stigma around sleep training because parents really, you know, they, moms are so judgmental. I hate to say this, but like so moms, true. moms are really, really hard on other moms. And that is, that's a shame. And it's something that I'm working really hard to try and undo. I think if there's one thing that I could do in my career that would make me so proud of myself, it would be to sort of unravel some of that stigma that you, you know, all of that like sort of nastiness that's like from one mom to another, the judgmental comments, the like, I don't know, there's so much of it. I just wish that like moms could be kinder to one another. I think we would all thrive if we were all just kinder to one another. The mom shame is real. (laughs) The mom shame is real. And I think a lot of the stigma around sleep training really comes from like judgment from other moms. I think that women are really afraid to hear it from other parents. And at the end of the day, I really do truly believe that regardless of how you decide to raise your children, all moms are just doing what they feel is best for their child. Whether you sleep train, whether you bed share, whether you do something in between, all moms are really just trying to make the best decision for themselves. And if we as women or parents in general, all just sort of approach the topic from the perspective of like, you know what, everybody's just trying to do what they think is best for their child and their family. I think we'd all be doing a whole lot better. So right. I don't know, right. maybe we got off on a tangent. No, a little bit. no. And that's exactly what the question was, but, but that's, that's how I see it. And then like from a sleep consultant, I guess I still, I bring in that, what I just said, I, I bring that, that messaging into my work. I want parents to feel supported in the decisions that they're making for themselves and their family. So, you know, if somebody reaches out to me and they say, you know, I desperately want to establish healthy sleep habits for my child, I'm really anxious about the sleep training process, but I know in my heart that it's what's best for my child. Like I love supporting those families. And then the families that say like, I have no interest in sleep training. I um fine to be up at all hours in the middle of the night with my baby. I'm not I'm not the sleep training police. I'm not the bed sharing police. I 
I think that every family should parent in the way that works for them. And, and there's enough judgment out there. They're never going to get it from me. And for the parents that want this type of support, I'm here to provide it. And for the parents that don't want to work on healthy sleep habits, then like there's other, there are other supports for parents like that. And I think that all parents deserve to get the support that they're looking for through, you know, their parenting journey. Right. I find that like when I work with my postpartum clients, you just kind of like triggered a thought that I say all the time. I'm always telling people like, you know, I'm going to give you the facts. I'm going to give you all the information, but like parenting is so different. There's such a large, uh, you know, to be on one side or the other of this like scale of parenting, right? Like you have to create your own gray area like to so much of it. And sleep is such a big part of it because, you know, you may decide, oh, really safe sleep is really important. We want them in their own crib. We don't want a bed share. But like, you know, we want to be, we're okay being up at all nights, you know, breastfeeding and feeding and doing those things. You know, we're, we want to do mostly contact naps or you can be like you just said, like, you know, sometimes you need to prioritize your own sleep in order to be the best parent you can be. And like, at the end of the day, none of it should have to be judged is I think what the big thing that we're just trying to get out there is. (laughs) Yeah. So I work with a lot of families who are sort of like dual income, like two working parents, very busy, very sort of accomplished in their careers. They're type A. They are used to like getting everything right in life. And they come to me and either they're like really struggling with sleep and they just don't understand how that could even be possible because they're just so good at everything else in their life. This just feels really, really outside of their comfort zone to be struggling with anything. And, And I think there's a lot of shame in that. Like, why can't I figure this out? Right. Right. And then I also have a lot of families that come to me who have children that are two, three, four years old, who are, I put this in air quote, like perfect little sleepers that, you know, sleep has unraveled for one reason or another, whether it's like separation anxiety or, you know, travel has gotten in the way or an illness. And these parents have, they feel this strong need to say to me, like, my child is a perfect sleeper. Like they have to identify that before Mm -hmm. saying, but I also need help. Right. And I find that to be so interesting that they feel this need to prove to me that they do, they did have it under control and they know how to get it under control usually, but here they are on the phone with me because they're still struggling. And that, that feels really hard for them to accept help and to reach out for help. And you know, as somebody on the other side of the phone, as a professional listening in, it just breaks my heart that they feel so insecure to even, I don't know, it just feels sad. Like it's okay if we're having a hard time in a certain area of parenting and all should receive the support that we need or that we want through this journey. Right. Like there's no need to rationalize it for sure. I mean, you know, like you said, and I think you've said it before, I've said it before, like everyone goes out and looks for support in other realms of parenting, right? You're, you know, going into IEP meetings or teacher parent conferences, you're hiring a lactation consultant, you're hiring a doula of some kind, like it's okay that sleep is where you need support. Totally. Getting sick this week. Um, (laughs) Anyways, so I, I, we kind of already jumped into it, but basically I just wanted to talk all about like the stigma that comes along with sleep training just as a whole, because it really is such a controversial topic and there really is no need for it to be, um, <clears throat> because parents just need support and that's okay. Um, 
And I think that social media is like the big area where it really is like full blown mom shaming. I think like we hit the nail on the head with that one. Um, so I figured we could like think about some of the things that we hear as sleep consultants, but also that we just know are out there in the parenting community as like almost quote unquote myths that we could almost like debunk for people here today because there is so much of it. So I was wondering if there were anything that kind of came to your mind when you thought of sleep training or what you hear a lot of people coming to you saying or things like that. So I think that the The one thing that I wanted to talk about when, you know, you sent me these questions in advance and what came to my mind was the phrase, let him cry or let her cry. Like, do we have to let her cry? Do we have to let him cry? Is he going to cry it out? Is she going to cry it out? Uh, I think that this term is so problematic. Uh, When you're sleep training a baby or establishing healthy sleep habits with a child, whatever that looks like, and your child is crying. You are not letting them cry. You are not leaving them to cry. You're not making them cry. These are all terms that I hear all the time. Do I have, do I have to make him cry? No, we're not making anybody cry. Right, right. (laughs) Our children cry when they're frustrated, when they're disappointed, when they're mad, when they're sad, when they're confused, when they're angry, right? And, and it's okay for our children to have big feelings about the changes that we're making for their benefit, right? Right. So our children cry in all sorts of scenarios and we never say that they cried it out. So I'll give you a few examples. Like when you start preschool with your two-year-old or three-year-old and they cry for three weeks every single morning when you drop them off at preschool, nobody ever says to their friend like, hey, we let Corey drop, cry it out at preschool today. Like we just don't say that. That's That's not a phrase that we say, but but your child could cry every single day for three weeks. And we wouldn't say that he cried it out at preschool, right? It's an adjustment Um, period. (laughs) We're giving the child the opportunity to have a new experience and it feels scary. It feels new. It feels overwhelming. It feels hard, but we're not crying it out. And, you know, what about if, um, I don't know. What if your child wants chocolate chip pancakes for breakfast and you've noticed that your child's not eating really anything healthy lately and you're going to try and establish some boundaries around like when we eat treats and when we eat healthy foods and and you say to your child, nope, you know, actually we're not going to have chocolate chip pancakes for breakfast this morning. Instead, I made some oatmeal and yogurt and I've cut up some fresh fruit and your child has a complete and utter meltdown and tantrum on the floor. They're not crying it out at breakfast. They're just having a moment and they're frustrated and mad that they didn't get what they were expecting or what they wanted. And I really see sleep training as the same thing. Sleep training is establishing a respectful boundary around sleep. It's providing a loving limit around sleep. And just because your child is crying, that doesn't mean that you are torturing them, you're traumatizing them. It's none of that. It's it's actually giving them an opportunity to try. So I always encourage my clients to, uh, in when they give me an update, like how did nap go? You know, how did nap go this morning? I I try to get them to say like he was trying for about twenty minutes before he fell asleep. Right? He wasn't crying. He was trying for about 20 minutes. Right. And so when we change our perspective on it, when we change the language that we use around it, it really helps us to reframe that our children, yes, they are crying, but they're trying and, and giving them that opportunity to try to achieve a new skill is it's something we do for them 
not to them. Exactly. Exactly. And I love it because that's something that you definitely have like built into the sleep training that you've taught all of us consultants and things like that. And it's so funny because going through the program, you know, I'm thinking about all the things that I was doing as a infant teacher and as a daycare manager and as a nanny and just working with children as a whole and thinking about all of the examples. It kind of like really opened even my eyes. And I've been in the education world for a really long time. Um, So to be able to think about, oh my gosh, yeah, like this happens or that happens or tantrums. And it's all the same thing. Like we're really are. You're just teaching your child something. And I think that if you were to talk to any parent, their goal is to be able to do what's best for their child. And in the quick peak of if you're looking at sleep training, you quickly see, oh, there's crying. It's not okay. But when you really do think about it in that way and you frame it in the way of, no, you're teaching them how to do something and they may just be upset or frustrated or uh, confused as to why they can't do it another way, right? Um, I've When I do a lot of my inquiry calls, I say, explain all of this to to inquiring clients. And a lot of it is saying to them, you know, they don't care that you have to wake up six times at night and breastfeed them. They don't care that you're up all night and you're not sleeping. They're falling asleep on the boob and they're as content as they can be, right? But, you know, so when you take that away, they're frustrated because they're like, well, that wasn't impacting my life. Why can't I go to sleep that way? Um, so it's always so interesting to kind of see how you know, if you frame it differently and you look at it from a different perspective, you can really kind of see things so differently. Yeah. And I think you're right. Sometimes, sometimes it doesn't impact the child to be up six times overnight, but a lot of the time it actually does. And this is, this is something that I think parents, you know, a lot of the time they'll reach out to a sleep consultant because they are so desperately tired. But what I try to remind them of is that really, this is something that you're doing for your child. And if you can think about how exhausted you are because you're up six times a night, like your child does not want to be up six times a night, that doesn't feel good. Um, you know, if we're talking about myth busting, another thing I think worth mentioning is that a lot of people wrongly assume that sleep training involves like hours and hours of crying. I'm actually working with a family right now with a little one year old. She's about to turn one this week. And they, the parents have said to me several times before we got started, like this child can cry for hours. We tried sleep training. She was up for three hours in the middle of the night last night. And, and so I properly coached them on how to implement sleep training properly. And this little girl fussed for like less than 15 minutes at bedtime last night. She was asleep for nap time in seven minutes today. Like she is having no problem. So a lot of the time it's like, they don't know the proper way to approach it. They're getting in their child's way. They're actually keeping their child from falling asleep independently and making them even more frustrated. So proper coaching, I think is really, really important. And then just sort of tuning out all of the shenanigans that you that you hear online because a lot of it is just not based in any sort of reality. Yeah, for sure. Uh I I totally totally agree. Um and that kind of like pulls me into like you talking about, you know, it's also for the kids, right? Like sometimes they are not well most of the time they're not getting the sleep they need. They're not getting into that deep REM sleep for long enough that they need. They're not connecting their sleep cycles, whatever it may be. And that kind of pulls me to another question I was 
thinking about and I, I sent to you, but um, like in my time, even being a sleep consultant, although it's short, I've worked with a, a good handful of clients at this point, And I found that the sleep training process is more than just getting your child to sleep through the night. Um, it truly, I've had clients tell me how it's changed their perspective on parenting. Um, and like we were talking about, you know, this is the example of teaching them to do something that they may not want to do at first, but it's going to benefit them in the end. And that really is something that I've had people say that they have pulled into other aspects of parenting. Um, it's teaching patience and, and it's giving you energy back. And like, there's so much more that it's doing than just getting you to get your solid eight hours of sleep or whatever you're getting as a parent and the solid 11 to 12 that your child should be getting. So um Given that you've been doing this even longer, I'm sure you've heard even more of these kinds of stories. And I was interested to see if you would share some of the things that you hear from parents that are more than just, oh, my child slept through the night. Like how, what kind of like parenting changes and lifestyle changes are you hearing from people? Yeah. The main thing that I hear, and this is something I work on with families. So I'm sort of coaching them to get to this point. Uh, but the one thing that I hear often is that parents report back to me after we're done working together, that they really feel that they understand their child's communication better. I really, this is especially with babies, right? For children that aren't yet communicating verbally, a lot of the time, the parents that I work with, when we first start, they don't understand how to hear the difference between their child saying, I'm hungry or I'm tired. They don't know how to understand the difference between like, I'm like, frustrated and mad versus I need something from you right now, which involves mm -hmm. like maybe a feed or a diaper change, right? Um, they really don't understand what their child is asking. A lot of the time parents come to me and they're like, I think my baby's teething. I think he might be uncomfortable. His belly might hurt. You know, he's up 12 times in the middle of the night. And I always tell them like, until you actually establish healthy and independent sleep hygiene for your child, we actually have no idea what's going on with your baby, right? Like right. you don't know if it's teething, you don't know if it's his belly. The way that you figure that out is by eliminating that X factor of like, does this baby just need help getting back to sleep? Are they just frustrated to be awake right now? So having them learn the different noises that their babies make, actually sitting on your hands for a minute and listening and observing and watching is so valuable in parenting to learn your baby's communication. And then this sort of carries through through toddlerhood and the preschool years and the big kid years. You know, if you can actually just like sit on your hands and give your child a moment to try whatever the new skill is, whether it's learning how to fall asleep, whether it's learning to zipper your coat, their coat, whether it's putting on their own shoes, wiping their own tushy, whatever it is, like giving your child a moment is so valuable. And it really helps parents to sort of feel like they're more confident parents. I love that. Um, I also find, of course, like, yes, sleeping through the night improves a marriage. It improves like your mood, your anxiety, all of that sort of improves if you're getting a full night of sleep. Um, you know, those early months and years of parenting can really be hard on a relationship. And, um, I think that when your baby is thriving or when your child is thriving, it's a lot easier for your marriage to thrive. It's a lot easier for like your whole family unit to thrive. So, you know, all of those are sort of positive 
what is the word? It's not a consequence, like an unintended consequence. It's a, it's a benefit, right? Yeah, it's, a, it's a benefit. These are, for sure. these are benefits that come out of sleep training indirectly. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that there's so much more to it. And um, I mean, we could make a six hour long episode on all of the things that we hear and and dive into it even more deeply. But um, I was just overall excited to chat about just this as a whole and and just briefly touch upon it all. Um, and, you know, if listeners are listening and have more questions about myths or have more myths, I'd love to do a whole like myth bust episode. We can be like myth busters over here. Totally. Um, but um, yeah, so I, I'm really excited. Was there anything else that you were thinking about when you were reading over the questions or the things that I kind of wanted to touch upon that you thought of today? Otherwise, I think I'm, yeah. Well, I think, you know, I think it's interesting that you probably have a combination of both like postpartum professionals and parents who listen to this podcast, right? So you yeah. have like professionals listening in. And you have the parents listening in. I'm sure there's a whole lot of overlap there too. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's really important for both like postpartum professionals and parents to get the message that, um, you know, we can all just like leave our judgment at the door. I, that's sort of like where I want to, that's where I want to close out. You know, if you are a postpartum professional and sleep training is not for you and it's not the way that you operate in your own home or with your own clients, like that's okay. You can refer that business out to a professional that does support families in this way. Yeah. And, and I think that that's entirely fine. We're all entitled to want to run our businesses the way that we choose, to run our households the way that we choose. But I think that it's so important that we sort of leave the negativity and the nastiness and the judgment at the door. There's there's too much of that already. And as professionals and as parents, I think we all just need to be kinder to one another and, and remember that parents are all just doing the best that they can. And for the parents that want this type of support, they deserve it. So if you're not the type of person that wants to support families in this way, connect your clients with somebody who will. And, you know, for a parent that wants this type of support, like, let's get it for them. And if they don't want this type of support, then that's fine too. No right. judgment. But let's just like get the parents the help that they are looking for and make sure that everybody feels supported through this journey as they're navigating parenthood. I legitimately could have said it, couldn't have said it any better because <laughs> that's exactly it. So um, yes, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for uh, starting this conversation that hopefully I can continue through a couple more episodes here. And if anybody's listening and like I said, has more questions or more things uh, sleep related that they want to talk about, head over to Instagram, let me know. And I have tons of other lovely sleep consultants from Jane's wonderful program that are dying to jump on and join me. So we'd be happy to myth bust all together. <laughs> But thank you so much, Jane, for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Postpartum Plan Podcast. It is a pleasure to be your postpartum bestie, and I hope to have you back for another episode soon. If you enjoyed listening to today's podcast, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate, review, and subscribe. If you're interested in more information related to today's podcast or are looking for additional support, in a postpartum doula or sleep consultant, you can find my information in the show notes or online at serenemomentsdoula.com.